0: And welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 11, presented by BetUS. I'm Evan Marinovsky here, alongside host Connor Ryan. Connor, that was quite the day of drafting. How are we doing?
1: I am on the struggle bus, Evan. My eyes are glazed over. I'm exhausted. I haven't had dinner yet. Uh, Eventful day, to say the least. Uh, A lot of, mostly waiting. And then waiting for Bruins to jump into a draft that I think was lauded by many as one of the deeper ones. And, uh, seems like we got a little bit of mixed bag here. If you go on Twitter, uh, it's very bad, but that's it's like, the end most of the world. that's when you're on Twitter most of the time, but we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, so my, I think today was, or, uh, Wednesday, by the way, lucky for people who are working all day doing other jobs. Cause they didn't really have to sit through all the the draft stuff. I mean, I will take sitting through the draft any day as a job, by the way, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just a very long day, as I said, um. But I think going into this, people had – I think there was a little bit of an expectation, not with the picks, not that the Bruins would have these big steals in, like, the fifth round. Because, like, most of us don't – it's a crapshoot, as you've said before. It's a a crapshoot. But it felt like people thought there was going to be more, that they were going to trade picks or trade for a first-round pick or do all the – you know, do these big moves. I think a lot of people thought there would be a lot of draft trades there was not many. There was a few, but not many. Um, what, would you, what what are your general thoughts on just the Bruins draft day in general?
1: Yeah, um, I think I'm probably the same boat as most people. I thought it was probably going to be a lot more movement. Um, you saw a lot, especially in that second round, a lot of trade-ups and trade-downs, because I think one of the strengths of this draft was even if you didn't have a first-round pick like the Bruins, I think if you were in the second round or third round, you still were going to probably – Run into quite a few good prospects to pick from, so it made sense for a lot of teams were you know trading down to get you know end of the second round going to get two third round picks or something of that nature. Um, But then in terms of you know player swaps or anything like that, you really didn't see much. I mean, you start off the day with Auto getting Matt Murray, and you're like, oh man, here we go. That's what I thought.
0: We're in, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Trade season, baby.
1: And then you got n- nothing out of it. Um, so I think just from the Bruins and the, the draft perspective for them, um, it seems like they were definitely taking a bit of a longer look at the players they added on. And as you said, I mean, you can roll through frigging 20 different scouting lists and projections and experts and, you know, all of them have put in great work to, you know, Create good draft content and it's off of the eye tests and film and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it also is one, one a crapshoot, right? I mean, look at how many how many times when we watch in the broadcast, we're talking about you know Joe Pavelski being a, a seventh round pick or, or any of these guys who fall later down in the draft. I mean, the Bruins get the 58th overall pick, and I think everyone mentioned multiple times that's where the Tampa Bay Lightning got Nikita Kucherov. So, and you look at his skill and like how the hell does that guy fall that low? How does Pavel Datsu falls low as he did. So the
0: Bruins got Nicky off today. It's pretty sick.
1: Yeah. Um, but I, I think when you look at just uh, who the players are that the Bruins, uh, you know, snatched up today, it was definitely uh, them going against the grain in terms of most of the reports and the rankings and what have you because, um, you know, you look at their first overall pick in Mason Lorai, uh, 6'4 defenseman. Uh, it's never, uh, it's never a good sign when, uh, they make the pick and then it like cuts back to the, the dudes on the broadcast and they're just like sitting there like, uh, yeah, Mason, uh, uh, he's a good player. And then they just cut to the next play. Like it's never good when they, they, they don't have the they graphic. Cut,
0: they cut right to the, uh, the graphic that said like, I think they had it as like a default graphic, like, Oh, let's look at the draft picks with NHL ties. And they just went to that. And I was yeah. like, didn't the Bruins just. Pick someone like you, yeah. You're not like I don't know who this guy is. Are, are, are you gonna tell me? So that was the weird part. So we'll start with Mason Lowry. Uh, by the way, they call him Lowry. Uh, mm-hmm. The Bruins call him Lowry. Yes. In his press conference, he said, "I want to be called Lowry." So that's what we will go off we will go off of what he said. Maybe this is a Marshawn Marshawn thing that we're just it gonna is, have for years. It is an Anders. Government. Yes, the awkward moment when you type in Anders to your uh, to your Twitter and it goes it spell checks to. A N D E R S mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. makes you look very intelligent. That's never happened to me. Uh, but Mason Lora, I mean, again, I, I, look, I, I don't think we watched a lot of him this year uh, with Green Bay. I don't think we are experts on Mason Lora. But uh, from the sounds of it, like it sounds like a he's a gonna be a good player. It just to me sounds like you could have got him later. And DJ Bean tweeted this. I thought it was very astute. You know when you have these picks, you obviously you hope they turn to good players, but you also want to use them as trade chips because all these guys can't, they can't all play. So, you know, if you use these as trade chips and you say, oh, we're going to give you our second rounder and the other teams go, oh, we were going to draft him last year, but we didn't. And you're going to give him to, him, give him to us now? Like, to me, it just feels like, you know, I get the whole motivation aspect. These kids are motivated, Contar uh, and Lowry. Lowry Lori La well, I'm screwed up with the name or Lori, Lori. I was like, what? Uh, they both were passed over last year to be drafted. Does this, like, does that hurt their trade value? Not to say they're going to immediately trade them, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we just look at the way the Bruins are evaluating these guys. And I think that's the only maybe second guess on my end in terms of uh, a few of these guys. Cause again, who knows? You you read the reports, the the ones that are out there. There's not like there's a whole bunch of film out there for for Lori, <laughs> but um, you read the reports that are out there, and he's it's a guy that's appealing. I mean, he, he's six four, like most younger players needs to put on a lot of weight. Um, but you look at him six four. If he gets to to you know two hundred pounds, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, he's known as a playmaking guy back there. I think he had 37 points in uh, about 40 something games. I want to say with green Bay and the USHL, a league where honestly, these guys who, uh, break through, whether it's going on to the the college ranks, usually you can kind of see where that production is going to be coming from if they're contributing down in the USHL. So for a guy like him to put over that level of production as a, a bigger defenseman, especially down there, that's, you know, definitely appealing. Um, and again, for the Bruins, you know, hats off to them if they just find this diamond in the rough and a guy that maybe, again, you read, if you didn't tell me like where he was ranked in Central Scout, and you're like, all right, they found this guy who's 6'4", uh, you know, they say, uh, I think Steve Corneos, who does a whole bunch of great draft stuff, says, you know, high panic threshold, heavy but nimble, very, very high hockey IQ. Read all that stuff with uh, the frame that he has. And you're like, all right, you know, this guy would be great. You know, I think people compare him to Colton Pareco and a few of these other guys. You, you read that and you're like, oh, I'm all for this pick. And then you you read the central scouting and the fact that, you know, he was, I think, 132 amongst North American skaters. Uh, the Athletic had him in, going in the seventh round. Um, so, you know, he, Again, it's one of those ones where it's kind of a crapshoot in terms of what what you're expecting out of these players. So, I mean, if the Bruins think they found this guy who can contribute in a couple years and be this kind of blend between a a bigger-bodied defenseman plus adding some of that offensive capability to his game, you know, hats off to them for finding it. It's just, again, uh, I think it falls back towards, you know, the draft management and maybe asset management of just, you know, if no one was keyed in on this guy, could you have taken – uh you know a guy like Ian Moore or you know one of these many other guys in the second round who um, were at least tabbed by many as you know sure second round picks and maybe Mason Falls to you in the third round um so I think that's maybe the only second guess on my end but again I think it's a guy who's definitely a project you have to see how he he fares going into the USHL going onto Ohio State next year um but if if you know they they hit on this guy, and if he as good as they kind of project him to be, when you look at some of these scouting reports that are out there, then you know, there won't be much second-guessing. But I think that's only my biggest concern is just where exactly they drafted him, not the fact that they took a, a, maybe a reach on this guy.
0: It's funny. To me, with these mock drafts and these very well-researched mock drafts, it always makes my head hurt to think about projecting what a team will do in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round because it's, you have no idea. First round, you can – Oh, they need a center. Oh, they're having trouble with you know, defensive depth. You know, they could use a goalie like that first round, and maybe even the second round too. But after that, it is just a crapshoot. It's literally just best players available, who do you know best. Um, and that's what it felt like uh, with the Bruins. Then you go to Trevor Contar, um, who BC guy. Nobody's perfect. You can, it's true. Nobody is perfect. Uh, but you can go watch him at BC if you'd like, uh, if you want to get a little preview. future Bruin. You know, it's funny. I was reading scouting reports on him. Um, He was ranked lower than Lowry on the scouting. So again, a guy who's also much lower than 89th overall. Um, But he seems very Bruiny to me. And they usually find a way to somehow work at some level in Boston. I, for some reason, at the time, I felt safer about this pick than Lowry. Am I wrong to feel that way?
1: No, I think you kind of read the – again, he was one that didn't exactly jump out when they they announced him, but then you kind of read the reports on him and how he projects and, you know, the level of production he's able to already reach uh, in the USHL, which, again, I mean, a guy who had 28 goals in 44 games there is known for having a great shot. And even if he's not this huge, powerful, you know, he's six feet, already close to 200 pounds already, which is a good sign. Um, He seems like the guy whose skills, maybe if it's – just needs a little bit more refinement or, or uh, you know, just the usual adjustment you have when you're making the jump up to one, the college ranks, and then two, to the NHL. But it seems like a guy that if it's just the expected progression, um, what you see from one of these guys who can throw his weight around, is, has a good shot, you know, plays around that great A ice, you usually hit on those guys. And at the very least, you know, maybe he's not a, again, he's not a, a 30, a 25, 30 goal scorer, but that's a guy who usually at least, punches his ticket to the NHL in due time and can contribute to this team. So, again, I think he's still a few years away, obviously. Um, but you read kind of the the reports on him, and uh, I think Central scouting a few of the, the people there mentioning that he's a guy that his teammates hate playing against him because, one, he's competitive, but he also loves throwing his weight around. Again, it, he checks off all the boxes you want as a, a player the Bruins would target, and especially, I think, when you went into this draft, um, for as much as they prioritize, you know, guys down the middle like Stanika, bigger centers like Trent Frederick, um, John Beecher, um, they have to start getting some more uh, talent on the wing. And uh, especially guys who maybe are a little bit tougher to play against or bigger guys. Not saying they were getting a Luchi to one of these guys. but Well, I they think, have
0: Nick Ritchie, so I mean.
1: Uh, that's true. So they got him covered for the next couple of years. But we got to yeah. look ahead, Evan, to, you know, when the – That's true. But after, after Nick Richie ends his incredible tenure in Boston, um, you have to look at who the next wave is. And very well could be Travis Quintar because, again, I think you look at just his baseline – style of play and what he brings. And as long as he continues to round out his game, it seems like a guy who is a sure bet to at least be a contributor up at the NHL level.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think that, uh, that, that that's, you know, he's going to be good. And, and, and that's sort of the thing with a lot of these guys. It's, you know, it's, you're projecting four years ahead. I, Langenbrunner is, is in high school or he's now in the USHL, but he was in high school last year. So a lot of these guys, it's just like, you know, it's complete projections um but it's compl- i mean you know if we had to guess between Lori and kuntar who the better player is going to be in the nhl i mean that is just a dart you are throwing a dart at a dartboard you're flipping a coin there um so uh for me you know it is that college route the bruins do seem to like uh, oftentimes it does work out it's worked out with your school with bu uh with the bruins and and hopefully for the bruins sake maybe BC works out as well so but speaking of futures i don't think there's any bets on how these guys are going to pan out in, in the NHL that the Bruins drafted. But you can bet on a lot of other things over BetUS. Connor, tell the listeners about BetUS.
1: Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back. That means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the how did you hear about us box, type in Boston Sports Journal. You can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. So join BetUS today. And don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's betus.com.
0: That's betus.com. So we'll run through the last two picks uh, fairly quickly. Fifth round pick, pick 151, Mason Langenbrunner, Jamie Please. Langenbrunner's uh, son. Uh, what's funny is when Matt Porter asked John Sweeney, he said, Oh, that kid you picked in the fifth round, uh, you know, how'd you find him? And at first, when he was like, what? And I was like, don't See, tell be me funny if you just said no, It'd be funny if you yeah. said no idea. Like, don't tell me he's going to miss this joke. Um, and then the sixth round, pick 182, Riley Dur- uh, Duran of Woburn, Massachusetts, from Lawrence Academy. So um, definitely <laughs> Not Wellesley.
1: Not Wellesley is the <laughs> NHL completely. Weird. Can we uh, just a brief aside, talk about the NHL. Yes, yes. Spectacularly screwing up uh, Chris Wagon's place of birth and inciting the rage of legitimately every Bruins fan on social media.
0: Yes, inciting everyone's rage, inciting everyone's rage from Walpole. Because Walpole and Wellesley are two vastly different places. Yes. Very different places for those who do not live in Massachusetts. Uh, But I think it's so funny. A Bruins fan replied to my tweet saying that now they got Woburn covered, saying that uh, they could never have a player from Wellesley. They're not cut out to be a Bruin. And I think that's true. I don't think Wellesley is like the kind of place that we come from. That's a Canuck. That's a Canadian. (laughs) That's like a... You know, that's that's not a, a Bruin. You don't think of, like, a Bruin coming from the mean streets of Wellesley. Uh, no, I
1: mean. That's like poor uh, Sean Farrell uh, from Hopkinton who got drafted by, I think, the, by the Habs, who was mm-hmm. a guy who I would have loved if the Bruins were able to get him. He's, like, 5'9". He's a small play, but he's just a dynamic guy who's been ripping up the USHL. He's, like, a Bruins fan through and through. I think, like, his draft profile says Brad machines is his favorite player, and he's going to Montreal. Like, I'm sure if he's very, very happy. <laughs> Like, damn, man! Like, imagine just like going from one extreme to the to the other with Montreal—completely
0: Comple- different ends of the uh of the of the teeter totter. There going for yeah from the Bruins to to Montreal, but I find that fascinating. A lot of the fandom, like for a kid like Riley Duran who grew up a Bruins fan, like he had a Boston hat on, a Bruins hat. You knew that he give that He to him. definitely, he definitely that looked was his. hot. He was ready. Yeah, that was his. I mean, like that was. He should have been he was drinking.
1: Should have been drinking like just a Dunkin' in the middle of it, just to, <laughs> to leave it off. Just started on the right foot.
0: Should have should have been like, yeah, you know. Uh, I love going to Fenway Park. No, but um, but but I think he would have worn that even if he got drafted by you know like the the Predators. Uh, so it's, a,
1: it's it's the same colors, you know, dude.
0: Yeah, it's there's know, a yellow you know, with the Predators that. too. Um, by the way, for you, who is it, uh, Trevor Kunta? That'll be fun for you to say.
1: Yeah, no, I was, I was I'll just call him the BC guy,
0: the BC kid. Yeah, the uh, BC kid. But so Langenbrunner and, and Duran, I mean, Langenbrunner looks like a complete project. Um, from all reports, from all scouting reports on him, really good defenseman, but definitely a project. Um, he's, he's six, two and 166 pounds, correct?
1: Which yeah. is wild. I mean, yeah, that is gotta... like,
0: you are, you are a little kid. I mean, you are like young in age, uh, obviously taller than both of us, but. I mean, yeah.
1: Still, 156... still very much kick my ass. Basically. Yes. You, could you but...
0: could beat, you could beat the shit out of me, but you know, you're, we're actually, I think we're close in weight, him and I, so maybe I could you know. Hold my own, uh, okay. but then no, uh, and then Riley Duran um, also uh, somewhat of a, a project. Definitely young. Um, again, I mean they're, they're projects, but again, it, in the fifth and sixth round, you're never going to get someone who's a guaranteed, you know, superstar. I mean, they bring up Pavel Datsuk. That's one in you know hundreds of sixth round picks. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like I it's really like doable, by the way, to be a good NHL player in the sixth round. They make I, that case every year. Yeah, they I feel
1: like it. I feel like the guy who like found Pavel Datsuk was just a situation where the guy was like at, like an, an empty rink in, like Siberia with like a low camcorder <laughs> and just saw this like little dude just dangle everyone to death and it's like I haven't seen this shit. Like oh my god, I got I got to get on the phone with the brass to tell about this dude. Like you're not going to find one of those guys slip through the cracks like that. I think even now going from the 90s when he was drafted till now. But, um, but no, as you said, I think when you get to the fifth and sixth round, uh, it's all, all, again, about just projecting upside and guys who you think in a couple of years could, could pan out. And I think there's a lot to like about both those players. I mean, Langenbrunner has to put on weight as all these younger players do. He's going to, you know, play for Sioux City right now. He might go back to high school in Eden Prairie up in Minnesota um, before moving on to Harvard next year. Um, so he's another guy who, again, 6'2, um, gained a reputation as being a bit of a two way guy. Maybe once he gets to the NHL or just the pro ranks, maybe more of just a, a regular kind of, um, physical, uh, stay at home kind of defenseman. Still a guy though who could project very well up in the NHL ranks. And then Riley Duran, 6'1, um, pretty dynamic player from what you read all the reports on. Good, uh, you know, in tight spaces, battles, um, he'll be going to the USA. He'll be going to the USHL like most of these other guys, uh, with young stuff. Yeah. Before moving on to Providence after that. So again, these aren't guys who are going to be contributing in a year or two, but, um, you kind of look at the, the next wave of Bruins talent and all right, you expect Stanika and Frederick maybe, and you know, maybe a, a Vakaninen or Zaboral maybe to contribute next year, but, um, there's other guys who coming up through the system too, who could supplement that. You're not having this big wave in between, um, Stanika and like these guys to roll through. I mean, you've got
0: Koopa Zach.
1: You got Koopa Zach. Yeah. He was a guy who was kind of learning the ropes. Uh, Jacob Waco should benefit from hopefully a full healthy year in Providence or wherever he plays depending on how the AHL is. Um, I think Jack is who they signed, um, as an undrafted free agent after a really strong career at, um, at St. Cloud state, he kind of reminds, I think a lot of people of Tory Krug. he's a younger, he's a smaller defenseman, but a good playmaker. Um, so they got guys who are going to step in before these guys are going to be ready. They're not going to rush these guys. Um, but again, if you, if you hit on two of these guys, maybe th- hopefully three of them and then become at least viable NHL is, um, then I think they did a good job here. It's just about, I think I don't know if commending is the the right word, but the Bruins at least went with their own game plan, went with their own strategy and kind of stuck with it. Uh we'll see how it plays out cuz unfortunately, you know, regardless of what they do, the 2015 draft's going to hover over them and that's kind of the the bed they got up that they have to lie in because, you know, it's not any way to sugarcoat what happened that year, but um it seems like, at least over the next couple of years, they're at least doing a better job at identifying some of these guys that are hopefully projecting well. Like I think people are high on a guy with like Beecher down the road. Jack Sanika looks like a guy. They really did a good job of identifying in the second round. So uh, there's definitely they've, – they've identified talent. It's just setting the expectations for this current class because I think you're going to need a few years for them to really kind of pan out before they become viable NHL contributors.
0: What – it's funny – it's going to get overlooked by a lot of people, but I think that seventh round swap goes to show you the Bruins know the next draft is very important. Mm -hmm. And they know that this year is probably the last kick at the can for this core. And that, you know, the prospect pool is not deep. It it once was looked at as deep. It's not really as deep as maybe they thought it was. Um, And they know they need to be better at drafting in certain areas. And they know that down the line um, you're going to see the Bruins have a lot more picks, you know, in the coming years, you're going to see the Bruins trade up for a first round. You're going to see them, you know, uh, trade pieces on their team for picks, you know, second round picks, third round picks, whatever it might be. Um, Cause I think they know they need to strengthen the prospect pool. Uh, and I think this, you know, I don't know if we're going to look back at the 2020 draft and think, Oh my God, what a draft. I mean, maybe all these guys pan out, maybe three, maybe none, who knows, but I think this goes to show you they only had four picks in this draft. I do think they're going to have a lot more in future drafts. And I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis um, on importance in those drafts. Not saying they didn't think as important. That, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just yeah. saying
1: – In terms of being it, in the better position to uh, yes, capitalize. Yes, yes,
0: absolutely, to capitalize. I mean, I think in the future years, you know, they're on the tail end of this veteran corps' cup window. Um, they're going to have to retool and sort of do what they did in 2015 – in the next coming years. I thought there was a chance that would be this year. Uh, there was a weird chance this was going to be like a 2015 where you trade off, you know, a Carlo or a DeBrusque or wh- whoever it might be for a first or, or a Rask for a first or Krejci for a first. Uh, but instead, they, they didn't. They played it very safe. I do, I do see that happening in future years, though, where they trade off um, assets for picks. The other big thing from Wednesday was qualifying offers. Uh, this kind of got buried... In uh, all the draft uh, hubbub, the Senators did not offer Anthony Duclair a qualifying offer. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Duclair was an all-star this year, correct?
1: He was, which he played for Ottawa, which, like, isn't saying much. But, no, he was a very, very good player breakout. Duclair
0: was great. I I remember on the trade deadline, a lot of people wanted the Bruins to go after a guy like him. Um, You know, rebuilding team declares probably not, you know, the centerpiece of their future plans. But I don't see why he can't be a part of it. Now, I know he's representing himself from what I've seen on Twitter. He does not yeah. have an agent. He's, he's, he's going off his own thing, uh, which is always a, an experiment. Uh, but it sounds like he wants more money, more term. I don't know exactly what the Senators offered him. But what's your reaction to all this qualifying offer stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just more of a testament to the fact that this offseason is going to be turned on its head because I think teams are so freaked out by – this cap situation and uh, we'll see what happens once Friday hits and, uh, you know, free agency frenzy begins because I feel like you going not have a lot of teams who are either going to be panicked. You're going to throw money where they shouldn't be in terms of retaining guys or trying to strike, uh, you know, early on during these free agent signings. Are you going to have everyone like the, uh, that GIF from the office where all, they're all doing finger guns at each other? I think that's what this entire, because I mean, all we've been hearing for the last week is right conversations and, uh dialogues going on between everyone in the NHL and no one's really pulling the trigger on a lot of these moves. I feel like everyone's just so worried about being that first thing to do something and shifting kind of their cap and maybe another team's cap. And it seems like everyone's just terrified of what to expect going forward. We don't know what the cap situation is going to look like uh next year even. Um, so you will see, I mean, People were talking about, you know, Ryan Strom maybe not being qualified. He eventually was by the Rangers. But I think Duclair, especially, a guy who I think is maybe only twenty five, um, had a breakout year with Ottawa. The fact that he's now hitting free agency and competing with, you know, the Hoffmans and Tofoley, who I think a lot of people thought that Teffole was gonna be a guy that Vancouver was really excited to keep long term and I think they would love to have him long term, but all of a sudden it seems like now they're worried about not being able to resign him. They're not qualifying Troy Stecker. So there's a whole bunch of teams that are, you know, I think just panic selling off assets just to, you know, remain uh, like safe in terms of what to expect. Not even teams who are trying to get under the, the cap like Tampa. Like there's, I think, just seems you want to clear out as much uh, cast space as possible just to, to brace themselves for what this offseason is going to be. Cause it seems like it's going to be wild, but wild doesn't always translate into, you know, the first day of free agency and the top 10 free agents get signed all of a sudden. It seems like everyone's just kind of waiting for the next couple of
0: shoots to drop. You could make an entire team out of people who did not receive qualifying offers or who were, you know, free agents. I mean, I think, I think this Friday free agency is going to be like, is going to be unlike most free agencies in most years? Usually when the deadline hits, you got this guy there, you got this guy going there, you got this guy going, and it's boom, 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 all in the span of like three hours. I think there's a weird chance that uh, this year is going to be much different. You're going to have got – you might have Krug on the market for three weeks. You might. I mean, you absolutely might. Now, I think Krug is a definite to Detroit, but a guy like Petrangelo, a guy like Holtby, I think you're going to see them on the market for a really long time.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
0: why I think the, the, these team teams offering deals, like the Brewers reportedly gave or offered Krug six years 6.5 per, um, you know, if Krug's out on the market for four weeks – it says, you know what? This is my payday. I'll take what the Bruins gave me. I like the city. I'll suck it up and do it. And he comes right back. And that's why I think it's the same with St. Louis. St. Louis offered, what, was it eight per year? I think so, yeah. Translo eight and eight. Could, could be the same thing. Petrangelo goes out, sees there's not much, sees that the, the pastures are not as green as he thought they were, comes back and says, you know what? Baby, I'm back. So um, I think that that's absolutely what could happen on free agency. I'm hoping it's an exciting day. I'm hoping there's tons of stuff. But the qualifying officer, especially Duclair, Duclair is very interesting, um, and I don't think he's necessarily a fit with the Bruins because I don't think you desperately need anything on the left side. Um, but he would be very good on the Bruins. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think the Bruins shut their sights at other places, like Tyler Toffoli, like maybe Taylor Hall. But that's Taylor Hall is a little bit of a pipe dream. A little bit of a pipe dream. Also, oh, he, he the Predators. To, he, he, is close he's, to-
1: yeah, he's not a. Uh... Saying he's not exactly going to sign a uh, long-term deal if there's a good offer out there, so if he wants to do a one-two year deal, it becomes more viable. Again, if that means a one-two year deal getting paid ten and a half, eleven, then you're out of it. But then you're out. A lot of different options with it. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Predators are in on him. The Blue Jackets, uh, Pierre LeBrun wrote today. Uh, so it should be interesting what teams go in with him. Um, I think the Bruins would be a fit if he was willing to take seven or eight. Uh, but who knows? Because again. Uh, Nashville might outbid them. Uh, Nashville is trying to win. I mean, they, they don't have a cup. It's in forever. I mean, you know, you have there, you got Duchesne there, you have Forsberg, you have Yossi, all in their prime. So um, I would not be surprised to see them make a huge push. Uh, Connor, before I let you go, uh, what are you working on that, that uh, the BSJ faithful can be uh, on the lookout for?
1: Well, you know, it's a very slow news week. There really isn't that much to write about. Um, no, we we've got a whole bunch of stuff leading into free agency. We'll have a whole bunch of recaps after that first day kind of uh, winds down. I think, as you said. We're going to be waiting, I think, for a while for a few of these guys to sign. It's going to be, you know, like Sunday afternoon, and all of a sudden news is going to drop on where Hall goes or something like that. But we're going to have you covered over at BSJ, BSJ every step of the way. So subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at ConnorRyan underscore 93.
0: Go do all of that. And for Connor Ryan, I'm Evan Marinovsky. This has been poke Through Episode 11. Have a great rest of your day.